Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sledge. Oh, he's disabled. I'm this carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip hop anymore. G'day and welcome to The Curb. My name's Andrew Pierce, and this is a podcast that's all about culture from all around the world. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and a pay respects to their elders, both past, present, and emerging. On this episode, it's another interview for one of the filmmakers who has a film screening via the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, which is currently online from the 30th of June through to the 15th of July, mdff.org.au. It's Tim Cole. His documentary, Small Island Big Song, an oceanic songline, is a really beautiful, heartwarming film about the connection that cultures have through the ocean, through the land that they live on, and through each other. And it's wonderful in the way that Tim has managed to create this collaborative experience across these different islands from the Pacific and Indian Oceans uh, with people from Madagascar, Taiwan, Zendathkes, Torres Strait and Easter Island, a few other places around there as well, all coming together to sing their songs and share their voices in an awareness of cultural importance and cultural history, while also amplifying the message and the need for action against climate change. This is a film that talks about those people who are going to be most immediately affected by an inaction on climate change. And yet, there is such a positive message within the film, such a beautiful message within the film, that it is not a... um, finger-pointing kind of experience. It is reminding the importance of this culture. They're reminding the need to save and help these people in in a really difficult situation where they're going to lose their land, their homes, their culture, their history. And it's, yeah, this is just a beautiful film. When I recorded this, I did so with uh, some construction occurring outside my window uh and tim as you'll hear and i comment about this during the actual discussion itself there is a lot of nature sounds in his side usually i would try and clean up each side of the audio track uh so that when the guest is talking you can't hear my side and when i'm talking you can't hear their side but i feel for this particular discussion that ambient noise and that background noise is actually important uh to you know, keep in and maintain it within the actual discussion itself. And and hopefully as you listen, you'll find out why that is. Look, I really like this film a lot and I highly recommend seeing it. It is just a lovely film. And certainly if you watch it at home or if you watch it in the cinema, if you listen to this in the future and you get to watch it in the cinema, then 
you'll feel touched by it. It's really just a wonderful, wonderful documentary. I also highly recommend heading over to the website smallislandbigsong.com and you can get some more info there and even purchase music too. And it's really lovely music as well. Let's listen to some of that music too via the trailer and then we'll be back with the interview. years the first time the, the descendants of one DNA come together and produce something that is amazing. <laughs> How are you going? How's your day going? Uh, it's great. I'm I'm actually in central Taiwan. Mm. And it's I've got with my partner, who's also the project's producer, we have this uh, tiny house, which we're settling into this year because we can't get anywhere or do anything. And it's right it's right out in the country, up in up in the foothills of the mountains in Taiwan, uh, Bunun land, and we're here. Just sort of nature, and uh, and we're working on like getting the, this film release and and our project too. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful here. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, if it's anything, is it similar to the the, the kind of landscape that is in the film? Because my God, yeah. my heart, my my breath was taken away so many times watching this. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Yeah, well, this is like we're in, in uh, Taiwan, which has an indigenous sort of story in the nations across here as well. So, I mean, as well as like other regions we went to. So, yeah, we're born on region. We actually filmed with the people of this region, but we didn't include that section in the film for different reasons. Uh, so it's like um, there's one artist we work with, uh, Badello Yuko, the Trukul people, and he's by a river. Uh, and that's towards the end. He's playing jaw harp a lot. It's like that. It's really it's that sort of landscape. Yeah. Wow. You, you're very fortunate to live in such a beautiful part of the world right now. Um, 
certainly being surrounded by nature feels like the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just sort of a, a fortune, actually. Yeah. Uh, my partner's parents own an organic farm here and, you know, we can we can stop here and, and sit out the uh, virus, really. Yeah, yeah, which is probably the best thing to do, I reckon. And mm. and being, you know, attached to an organic farm as well, you've got, you know, all the produce you probably need right there as yes. well. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot to um, – we'll jump into the interview because yeah. I tend to deal with these as just free-flow conversations. So if there's anything that does come up that you uh, that we don't naturally talk about, just feel to bring up anything and say, look, I think we should talk about this or something like that. Um but I think one mm-hmm. of the things which I, I took away from the film uh, was that there is a need to have a better connection with our land and the world around us. And, and that includes eating organic foods and, and, and being more ethically conscious about what we consume. And while that's not a, you know, a core mm-hmm. narrative piece of the, the film... It's one of the many different things yeah. that I got from it. Uh, so that's something which I've taken in my mind. I was, I, uh, as a tangent, I was reading about um, domestic chickens and stuff like that yesterday again, and I've been considering uh, having chickens and you know just for eggs and and yeah, companionship yeah. as well because chickens are beautiful creatures. But it's mm. watching films like this that are like, no, you should really actually hurry along and do well, that this- kind of stuff. <laughs> Well, for me, yeah, thank you for picking up that up and mentioning that too. I mean, uh, precisely, that is that is absolutely like the motivation behind my partner and I for doing this film is, is to speak about our relationship to the, to the you know, our world around us, uh, but through our culture and also look at how in our own lives, like we connect where the intersects are with nature and how we can express these ideas of respect uh, for nature, through our culture, through our lives, and through watching the film, and you know, seeing these artists represent their cultures, which have been formed through these long relationships uh, with nature, like dependent relationships too. A lot of these places, like if 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 you weren't working with nature to supply like like the needs, the food, as you were saying, well, then you know your community wouldn't survive. Well, these people representing these cultures, well. That's that's one thing we were hoping is that we'd also look at ourselves and say, okay, where where do where does my culture intersect with my relationship to the natural world, and what does that what's the what what is that statement? What does it say? So yeah, thank you. That that absolutely is like the subtext for me. Yeah. So let's start off with how this came about. Then what kind of what was the 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 spark for this interest in filming such a, a broad scope of an idea and uh we'll get on to how you went about making it but i'm curious about what what moment that you woke up and went i need to do this uh wow i mean actually talking now it just brings up a lot of emotion in me too um i've i've had this odd sort of trajectory of a career where i began in the early 80s just in the music scene in melbourne that just happened to fall into these projects, say, working with Archie Roach as his first sound mixer and then touring with No Fixed Address, Bart Willoughby's band um, uh, and went to Papua New Guinea with a group called Not Draining Waving and did an album with Indigenous artists there. And and it sort of sparked this interest in me of, of working with these cultures that have like a deeper 
perspective or dimension to the cult to the cultural voice in the art as well as just you know producing art like mixing music and putting on gigs and and making film clips and and all, all those films and everything and after about three decades i ended up meeting my partner and we moved to alice springs and i had a job at karma the central australian aboriginal media association one of these jobs was uh, amongst like recording the the heavy desert reggae rock uh which i love was actually recording the traditional in mars the the song lines uh of, of the central australian indigenous people uh working with them to document these um these relationships these sort of cultural knowledge that they've passed down the generations that the, that speak of like these deep relationships to the land and how to maintain community. I know as an Australian you fully understand this, but other people around the world don't. They don't know about this concept. That, that songs can also ground us, you know, in, into deep relationships with our environment, uh, the natural environment, and also our, um, and, you know, our social environment. These songs speak about how to maintain social structures that have successfully sustained these communities for you know, tens of thousands of years in, the, in these places. So, so the cut to the chase, like towards the end of our time in Alice Springs, my partner, Babao Chen, who's a films producer, and I, we, we thought, okay, we have to leave here soon. Um, the contract was winding up and we wanted to, to move on to do something together. And we were seeking something to do. And while this is absolutely what happened, I was out in a remote community called Kirikara recording with the Pintabee people and, and recording, as, as it's called there, the Inma, the, these songs which we know as song lines. And after a day doing that, and it's like sometimes I look at my work, I think I can't believe I'm doing this amazing work. Like actually out in the land with, the, with these elders singing these songs of the place, um, you know, beautiful locations right out there in the desert and they pick spots, you know, in the shade uh, amongst the, the the features that they sing about, the rocks. And and after a day doing that, I, I, I like to sort of practice my filmmaking and, and get out and do time lapse of stars and, sh- and shoot the sunset. And I was doing that listening to the radio coming across from Perth, you know, about a thousand k's away, you know, the Crackley AM radio in the, in the Troopy. And it had the IPCC, this is absolutely true, the IPCC report, I think it was the fifth one, and, and it had all these just like stunning predictions of, of how desperate a situation we were in across our planet and, and how we faced like losing islands across the Pacific, where I'd done a lot of work and have friends, and and it just struck me that, wow, these songs are unfortunate, you know, to be funded to go and record you know, there in, with the Pintabee people, we're, we're facing losing these songs across the islands and, and this knowledge of, about these relationships to the earth in these songs may just be, you know, the very, the very knowledge which can, you know, help us at this time. And, and, and that was it. We thought, well, this is it. We'll do this same work we're doing here, but we'll, we'll swing it around now and focus on the ocean regions and starting with the people I already knew. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things which I've, as I've been watching films for Melbourne Documentary Film Festival over the past few years, I've done a, a lot of work with the, the festival and throughout 
other festivals around Australia, but specifically Melbourne Documentary Film Festival has uh, organised a lot of films that are about the current crisis that we're in. And over the past few years, there has been this growing narrative about our relationship with the oceans and, and you know, the amount of plastic and, you know, oil spills and, and the people that are affected who aren't shown on the nightly news or on the front page of the newspaper. These, the people who you're documenting here aren't getting their stories presented, uh, you know, in front of everybody's eyes. And yet... This is not a slight against those films at all, but there is an, a, a definite alarmist tone to those particular films. Like, we need to wake up and pay attention to what is going on. But on the same hand, with Small Island Big Song, what I think is a really masterful thing that you've done, and I'm curious about how you managed to get this balance, there isn't an alarmist tone to it that kind of um, bashes people over the head in the sense that, like, you are doing something wrong. Uh, but on the same hand, there is a look at what we are in, you know, what could be lost, what will be lost if we don't do anything. How do you get that balance of, of you know, adoration and joy and, you know, needing to do something while also, you know, trying to get people to understand the, the crisis that we're currently in? That seems like a really difficult balance to get. Uh, how wow. do you do that? Yeah. Uh, well, th- well, thank you, Andrew. They're, they're, wow, that's really in- insightful, and and I appreciate the yeah the the vantage point you're taking on the film, and and respect to all those other films as well because mm. they're vital, like in 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 the momentum that we're making, you know, to to step back as caretakers for our planet. Um, uh, yeah, well, that that was the motivation, and those other films, are, uh, you know, as I said, are vital and important. But mm. that's that's not the sort of filmmaking that that my partner and I, you know, we have skills uh, in doing. Our, our our we really wanted to, and exactly as you said, like I really felt that these voices of the of this region, particularly the less developed countries, are, are really underrepresented uh, on on the global platform. And particularly, you know, a lot of the irony is a lot of these islands will be the first places to to be lost to um, mm. to rising sea levels, um, to increasing carbon emissions, which and it's not not their doing, you know, and mm. and they're the very ones that, that struck us that do know how to live sustainably on a small island. And you could say now we're living on an island. You know, now that we're in this Anthropocene and and our impacts, so it was partly like the the voice of the film. We we didn't want to make a film which was I don't know if alarmist is the word or but was like factual, which mm-hmm. was uh, people from the outside speaking for these people on their islands. So purposely, there's no experts you know, filling in, in the segues. There is uh, no... Um, we did add this these titles later, which I can go into, but there's no, um, uh, you know, voiceovers or even interviews with the artists uh, in a, any other, you know, language apart from their own. And that's because we wanted to create a story which was coming, like, from their country, from their, their islands, the earth itself, through their musical lineages... Uh, and just 
you know, representing in a sense too, like their love and their and their joy for for these environments, you know, as carried through their their cultural relationship to the land and and one um, there are many moments that sing out for this, but I love when we were working with Koyawa, who's uh, he's not actually a professional singer. He's the cousin of Ben Hacklitz, who is from from Bougainville. Ben's all, also the drummer for Yothi Yindi. But Ben in Bougainville, he, he said uh, to Koyawa, he wrote the lyrics for his song, and Koyawa took us to the mangroves where he uh, where he he can, can barely see it, but he, he he moors his boat there where he goes fishing, and it's near his village. He took us there to record. To you know, to show off this landscape, we asked the artist to take us to somewhere that's precious to you to record, and just to see. And I said to him, "Look, imagine you're singing, and we're not here, because of course half the village was standing behind the camera." <laughs> and and he just sung out like this. I said, "Just imagine you're here. You really love this place. No one's watching you, and you're just celebrating, you know, what this place means for you." And it's just this beautiful performance of him sort of raising his arms and just singing out to this to these mangroves and yeah. yeah. Well, I I mean that that reminded me. I grew up in Queensland. Um, you know, I'm, I was born in Perth and grew up in Queensland. And traveling around Queensland and getting to see the mangroves there and being reminded of that part of the world and how beautiful and vital the mangroves are, and which one of the title cards does mention how important they are um seeing that reminded me that you know the mangroves in queensland are just the same as the mangroves around so much of the world and the devastation and destruction that is facing uh is is you know it's horrifying it really is and yet this is such a, a vital important part of uh you know the the different communities and cultures around the world who are connected through the oceans and and that's one of the things which i you know pleading ignorance here i was not aware of the 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 way that over the past you know thousands of years people traverse the world and and they managed to uh you know go around the world and connect these islands uh through boats and navigating through the stars and yeah. um i found that just really really wonderful to to learn and to see uh still in practice in a lot of ways um i'm curious for you as you traveled around what Mm -hmm. kind of things uh surprised you and what kind of things that you didn't know or or thought you knew and yet your your mind was changed were there any moments like that uh wow that's a that's a big that's a deep question um uh yeah, and th- thanks for picking up too this this connection uh, mm. uh, that's the shared across the ocean. Like that was something that was new to me, and I discovered that during the my time in Central Australia, you know, with my partner Baba, because she was from Taiwan. She mentioned that, and I just finished a project in Vanuatu, and they told me that that they share this connection uh, with you know other people across the islands, which I knew, which could be traced back to Taiwan which I absolutely didn't know. And this is the story of all of Australia's region. Mm-hmm. You know, as mentioned in the film, from Madagascar to Easter Island, well over half the Earth's surface, you know, to Hawaii, to Taiwan, to Aotearoa, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea through Indonesia, Torres Strait Islands in Australia, all were settled by this seafaring heritage. And also I thought, well, this is a great way to, like, um, um, I can't find the word for it, like a, a motivation 
to draw you know musicians together a theme to talk about our relationship to this region a relationship before all these borders they're in place now which is how we see this region you know as uh, you know, different countries, Indonesia, Taiwan, Papua New Guinea. But there was a time before these borders and the prejudices that these borders bring up in us where there was another story and we're really hoping that the film can talk about that. So back to your question, well, what, what surprised me? That absolutely was one thing because you, you hear about it sort of academically and so I researched it, you know, just Wikipedia and a few papers and... Um, and actually got a Churchill Fellowship and went and visited uh, different academics and spoke about this, while at the same time taking advantage of being in these places to record the project, film the project. Uh, thank you, Churchill Fellowship. And, uh, and actually see, like, the human relationship, like, stories of this. That uh, an extraordinary moment was after... Because we recorded everyone in nature on their islands... And that was the theme of the project too, to record the music where, where it has evolved from, the songs and instruments where they're evolved from. But then to take that song to meet another artist representing their homelands and to invite them to contribute the voice of their land on top of that, mm. to create this, to unite, in a sense, the oceans, to reunite this seafaring heritage spread over the oceans over 5,000 years. Uh, and as we did that, they... They all said, well, you know, this is great, but we also want to get together and meet. And so we did. We had an opportunity to have a concert, uh, and we've had a few now. And in Taiwan, when they came together to this concert, to actually see this living, uh, you know, culture that they shared, where they'd never met before, and some of them had been, like in Taiwan, it's 5,000 years since wow. their heritage left, they still shared words. Wow. They they were going through all the words they could find, and particularly counting. They all shared numbers, all shared Lima as five, and anyone who knows Bahasa Indonesia, which is Austronesian area, they share that uh, five is is hand and and Lima as well. Um, those things musically, there's a rapport they shared musically. There were absolutely instruments. There's one instrument which we filmed, and this is incredible, up in in Sarawak, in the jungles of Sarawak, guided by Alana Morang of the Kalabat people. She took us to meet her aunties, elders, who still play this instrument called the bagang. And there's only, you know, only a handful of women in a few longhouse communities up there in, in the Sarawak, deep Sarawak rainforest that still play this instrument. And this instrument is known to have travelled with these seafaring um, uh, people across the Indian Ocean, uh, as it's called now, had a different name then, or, to Madagascar. And there that instrument morphed into an instrument called the Valhia with steel strings and a bamboo tube. And that's like this beautiful zither sort of harp-sounding instrument, which is the, the national instrument of Madagascar, which also features throughout the album. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. I hope that's all right. No, no blah, 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 blah. This is, I'm entranced. <laughs> I think this is really fascinating. And, you know, those instruments are just so wonderful as well. Like, mm. I was just sitting there watching it and seeing, like, I, you, hopefully you can understand the uh, my description in a moment and you might be able to give the name of the instrument, but there's kind of like this square guitar which has got strings on all sides that 
uh, is kind of they they hang over their shoulder and they play it that way, which I just thought was a I've never seen instruments like this before, and yet you know I'm so used to uh, you know. Mm. I grew up listening to Presidents of the United States of America and they had two string guitars, you know, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, uh, look, these I'm kinds of things. yeah, yeah I'm a like, Frankston boy, you know, I grew yeah. up with ACDC and, yeah. uh, and a different generation, but you know, uh, yeah. yeah, of course, I, I wonder how I ended up here, but um, yeah, it's all traditional instruments. And that was a point is because these instruments have been shaped like through these relationships with the land and very often the instruments were actually made, you know, right there where we were recording, say the bamboos from uh, Bougainville, the bamboo orchestra. Uh, so even w- without, you know, needing to voice it like in, in languages we understand, there's, there's an ineffable, like inherent relationship to the earth through these instruments that perhaps it is a, st- a, mu- a statement, a cultural statement that we can't put into words, you know, um, mentioned ineffable, but it's something in, in these languages shaped through that and the instruments. So that's why there was an emphasis on only the instruments and languages which are from, which have evolved from, from the ocean, from the islands. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's just, I think it's absolutely beautiful and, and, I, I was touched by it because it's it's such a wonderful, glorious uniting of these different groups around the world, and and you're talking about borders has it's something that's made me recontextualize the way I view the world because we are we have been built up into a world where you can't go here because this is ours, and you can't go there because this is ours, and yet you know this is a culture that has stretched back thousands of years and and we so eagerly ignore it which i find devastating um you know i one of the comments which i was i watched it with my partner last night and one of the comments that i uh am loath to bring up this person's name but you know talking about peter dutton and there's (laughs) one of the the things which he said years ago which still echoes in my mind that that horrifying comment about um you know, time doesn't mean anything when you have water lapping at your door. And it's like, that just kept on ringing in my mind as I watched this because we have leaders who eagerly ignore the the pleas of the people who live in mm. these areas who are going to be the most affected. And, and I wish that they actually paid attention to these stories because, you know, when they're gone, wow. it's thousands of years gone and you know I'm, i live in wa and you know we've just had a mining mm. company blow up for forty six thousand. i know site. yeah yeah I, I follow all the news well i didn't hear pick up that quote by dutton way wow, you can read that in different ways yeah that quote and, uh yeah. yeah and so again coming back to how positive your film is it's still highlighting these these troubles yeah. and and these you know the the issues that are facing everybody but there is a a positive aspect to it, which I find just so inspirational and so beautiful. And I, I want to touch on that. How does that inspire you as a person? How does, how has that inspired your uh, worldview and, and, and how you engage with the world? Uh, wow. Wow. Um, thank you again for the questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Like my partner and I, and not just us, like it was uh, the whole process was surrendering to what the choices of the people, the artists we worked with, 
And that's why, I don't know if you noticed right at the end of the film, there's a little quote that says, uh, this film is dedicated to all the people, you know, who see, you know, that we're part of Earth's ecosystem and not the masters of it and who are working towards that. And from all the artists, this film is for you. Thank you for your work. And and that was something that we received as we were doing it, like, thank you for doing this. And and so there's, you know, a celebration and a recognition for these positive aspects and, and the people around uh, the planet who are connected to this idea. So, and also I really um, wanted to make something, uh, and not just me, but all the artists we work, work with, that wa- was uplifting and that was... That was like um, I don't know if fertilizer is the right word, but you know it sort of can keep you moving. It, it's 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 a thank you. It's it's inspirational. Yet at the same time, it, it is drawing attention to these regions. See, I also thought that, that, that like one way we can do it is, is just do it the way we have, and not put like any narrative as such into it, like through the interviews. And the dialogue that goes on around the film, like which we're having here right now, mm. uh, and when the artists are often doing interviews, uh, then that's a platform for them in the moment to to express, you know, these concerns over their lived relationships with these issues. And then in that those one-on-one conversations across, you know, between the the reader and them or the the listener, then then that's where you know, these issues are explored more. But in the film itself, it, you know, it's, it's celebratory in, in, in a sense and, and in, in hopefully um, uh, inspiring. Yeah. I, well, I certainly think it is. Uh, and I'm taking up a lot of your time and I hope that... No, uh, it's good. Like, if, if you've got time, I'd like to continue talking, of course. Yeah. I think there's so much to be able to explore here. But... One of the things which I'm noting as as we're talking uh, is I can hear the nature in your side of the world. Oh, really? I can hear, I can hear the the bugs and the birds and stuff like that in in around you, and yet on my side, I can also hear I've got construction taking place on my street. There are two houses being built, and it's this. As I've been, I, I have uh, during this whole COVID nineteen situation that we're all in. Um, I have still been able to go into work, so I haven't been isolated at home uh, because I work for the Department of Health. So I've been able to uh, go into work still, you know, using uh, social distancing measures and all that kind of stuff. But as I go in, I have witnessed a lot of construction and a lot of change to the world. And there's that continual Mm. grinding and, you know, the sound of machinery doing its thing. And while it's nice to see homes being built and stuff like that, I miss the sounds that are on your side. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I miss that kind of the sound of nature. And that's one of the things which depressed me about, uh, you know, one of the moments in the film, you, you have the sound of bugs uh, in uh, Uber. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not there anymore. And I think we miss that and, and we miss the sounds of nature and we're so easily... Uh, lose that connection and the the tuning in the radio frequency for want of a better term to nature um i i'm curious for you is that a conscious thing that you have noticed as you've gone around the world and seen these changes take place around the world whether it's from alice springs to to taiwan or to madagascar uh 
Wow. Yeah. See, see this, these are tricky areas too because mm. now, now I begin talking about my own sort of personal perspectives uh, on these issues. Uh, and and to like in the film, I was trying to keep that out of it. Yeah, like of course. and and as far as I went was to put those um, those title slides in, as you said. And with those title slides, I kept refining them until there was no emotion to it. They were just clear facts that I collect. I collect these facts when I hear them in documents and and and. Uh, uh, and where when I'm see it's all all for me like as the film came together and I know it's not a conventional film and thank you for for accepting that that yeah this is not a conventional narrative arc and everything and and but as I just sit down and and start editing the music like as a music producer and while I'm doing that I think about all the footage that we collected and the different themes and people we met and because we stayed with everyone and 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 learnt, you know, their perspective and and how that all ties together, uh, and and then these uh, words and the themes, you know, came in. So, but my personal take is, yeah, I do s- see these things, which is one, but I'm not meaning to look look back from and judge anything. I absolutely don't see that anything is not nature. Mm-hmm. All the all these cities and everything, like we look, we we look at this sort of human world and the natural world. I just see it's all natural world, like my computer, the buildings you're talking about, our relationship to it all. It's just all inclusive, and and a little bit of a, I was trying to sort of make this statement in in the film too, just through the way it's structured. But I don't know how successfully that comes apart. Like it's all sort of, it's all part. Oh, I don't know. How to pray. Yeah, and we, you know, we can influence and have responsibility, you know, over it all. The things that we create with nature are part of nature. They influence nature, like the, like the way a tree grows. You know, the branches sort of moving towards the sun, or what influences a tree. It's like a dance between the tree, its environment. It's the same with buildings too. You know, we, we create these buildings that are being built across the road. You know in relationship to environment they affect the environment and if there's ways we can consider all that through the steps we take on the planet because we all have these relationships well then then perhaps you know we can move towards you know more sustainable you know livable futures Mm. for us all but i'm blah 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 with sort of bigger esoteric concepts which are my own uh and as director like they influence the way the film is is cut together with all the resources that were collected through surrendering to the artist's choices. I never told anyone what to wear. I never told anyone what to play, uh, where to take us to film. You know, I chose a camera angle. I chose where to put the microphone. But all the other things were, 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 were they were just the way the journey unfolded through the guidance of the artist. Because I wanted to try and discover something through the sum, the essence of the film, which I could never have imagined or thought of, something beyond like my my cultural thresholds. Mm. And and you've certainly done that. And you know, for me, the the touchstone, I guess, like when when I was watching this, as I started watching this, I I felt that there was echoes of Baraka, which I remember watching as a kid growing up, yeah. and and having that kind of 
that that kind of storytelling, which is not a traditional, there's no narrative or anything like that, but you are just witnessing the world and the wonders of the world and the glory of the world. And I think those particular kinds of stories are as important as your, you know, the the films that I was talking about before that that do paint out this causes that and which causes yeah. this kind of thing. And this is a really powerful kind of film. Uh, and it's one which, you know, I certainly am very keen to listen to the music in a lot of ways because I know for me growing up, like listening to Buena Vista Social Club soundtrack or listening to Gurumul or even Archie Roach as well in all of mm. these, these artists who... I might not understand the language, but then you get out the the lyrics book and you read it and you're like, oh, wow, this is really fascinating. Now I understand the passion and the emotion behind what they're singing and what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And that's what I get from this particular film is that I'm looking forward to going back and listening to those songs and and having their message in a different language wash over me. Um, I want to come back to the, the production of these songs because, you know, as you were saying, you had like each mm. artist kind of layered music and and their own take on on the particular song. Yes. Where did you start? It was it lyrics first or, or was there a you know it, was there a, 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 a initial point which you started with a song and then went to a different country and then uh wow. had things uh, layered on? Well, it well, seems you, really complex. How do you keep track of that? <laughs> uh, well, you unpacked a few things there. Um, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. I'm throwing a lot at you. <laughs> no, you, you, you really, you sort of, and I hope it's okay, though, that I really appreciate your time and asking these questions and affording me an opportunity to, to voice them because, uh, you know, it's a totally independent film and it's just my partner and I, we're here in Taiwan. We don't get a lot of... Uh, opportunities to do this so thank you so back to where like baraka and those films i mean i love that i love those mm. films i mean beginning with karen scotsy back there and um and yeah of course it was influenced by that and i i always imagined it would be great just to I, like what a, so i love cinemas as a, a vehicle for exp, for experiencing art and music so for me a cinema experience is that length of time, like say a feature, or over an hour sitting with uh, with images, projected images and sound, uh, or particularly going into a cinema and sitting, going into the room, watching uh, projected images and sound and then leaving. And for me, whatever happens in that space is valid. As long, and, and this is vital, uh, is that you feel respected by the filmmaker and that you feel enlightened or richer, culturally richer for leaving. And they're two things that we really work to, you know, for the film delivers, that you're absolutely respected as the audience watching this film. And and we hope that, you know, you feel culturally richer. But And then sort of, but it is a bit challenging getting the film out there, you know, because of its... Oh, yeah, yeah. Particularly yeah. doing the, the pitch circuit. Wow, that's a scene. But... Uh, I won't go into all that, but uh, I will talk about, yeah, the song. So the idea was when um, Baba and I were living in Central Australia and we decided to leave and do this project, we, we wanted to, yeah, focus in on this concept of the song lines, that these uh, musical lineages that have been evolved, you know, over generations living in these places can talk about, 
you know, beyond words, these relationships to the land. So we imagined, and as a music producer, I always set these rules to the, to the productions that I work on. And so how could we best capture like, like that essence? So the rule was to invite the artist to share a song that they're proud. This was the exact words. We said, look, we want to record a song that you're really proud to say, this song speaks for my heritage and speaks for my, my land, for my environment. And then and it could be any song. It can be a traditional song. It can be a, a song you write now over these of your feelings on this. It could be, um, it could be anything. It could just be beats. Hip hop beats is okay, but as long as it speaks for your land and you take us to somewhere to record that has meaning and substance and significance to you and your heritage, and yeah, and you make all these choices. So when we offer, so that's how a song began. So usually it was uh, a con, you know, more of a conventional type song. Uh, and I'd often begin that just as I would in the studio by recording a guide track. Not always, though. Uh, and then the artist would then listen to that guide track on headphones and then sing it just on its own. So I've got the recording of their singing on its own. And then they would play their other instrument as long as it was traditional. And a few artists played acoustic guitars as their guide track. Mm-hmm. So as we tra- And then the idea was, after doing that, then we recorded them giving an introduction to their song and to themselves and their heritage, which we didn't use in the film. All we used that for was when we met the next artist and we played them different songs from the project and spoke about them. And after we'd recorded their song, we said, well, the idea is now you contribute to other songs right here, you know, on the edge of Rim of a Volcano or, or in the mangroves. Or, and, and so they listened to other songs and often, you know, we'd, I'd sent some before and they had an idea. And then I'd play them that introduction from the artist, time permitting, often there wasn't, and then we'd record an overdub. And I'd, I'd really, one point I said to them is, you know, okay, yeah, this is a reggae song that this person contributed. That's what they felt appropriate. But you don't have to play a reggae sort of feel on top of it. You can find where your traditional rhythms fit into this rhythm would be more interesting. So that's what happened. And then the songs grew and grew and grew. Then, and there was no idea, you know, what would happen. We, we began the whole project with nothing, just, you know, a Zoom recorder you know, Panasonic GH4, a drone, and a couple of microphones. Everything happened during the the three years we spent travelling around, and it all grew. Then as we were doing it, I sat down and started editing and and pooling together the images and keeping all the footage synced up because, you know, there's a bit of editing, you know, picking the best takes. So there's a lot, actually. And (laughs) so I had to keep a track of how all the footage relate. The other interesting thing, it was always began with three outcomes in mind, like a film was a priority, the album and, uh, and a live concert. We always wanted to bring, have these three outcomes because that's what I've always done in my work. It's always these three outcomes. So we filmed everyone and that added this other layer of uh, sort of pressure or something. Not, uh, not only am I going for this recording take uh, out in nature, which is a bit, a little bit awkward, but I'm also being filmed you know, so they're you know, they're professional musicians mostly, so they're really 
judgmental on their performance and, and the amount of heart and soul they put into it. So it was an interesting process. Yeah. Well, that, that was one of the things which my partner noted last night as, as we were watching it together. And she was like, as each of the songs racks, rap, wraps up, um, the artists themselves, you know, the look on their face is like, did you just hear what I made just then? Like, did you just mm. hear that? Like, how good was that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. There is yeah. a there is an element of pride which is so uh, wonderful to see because their smiles are wonderful and you know paired with the music is just beautiful. But it's wow, nice thank to you. see. Yeah, it was just thank you for it, picking that up. Wow, yeah, that's why I left the camera on. Yeah, well, of course the camera was left on. That's why I chose to leave the shots in. Yeah, to to see the reactions. Yeah, yeah, because it's nice. Like it's that that affirmation of uh, this is my song and this is our song and yeah. this is what I'm sharing to the world. And the, the other aspect, which I thought was uh, kind of, you would obviously not have had this in mind while you were making it, but uh, over the past few months, as we've, we've all lived in this isolation and, and I've watched a fair few um, concerts of musicians who I like, uh, who have been doing it in their own home and things like that. And, you know, we were invited into their home to appreciate their music. And yet, in a lot of ways, this is like a concert film where we're invited into these people's homes and their land yes. to see, you know, the music. It, it is, it feels awfully apt for the time right now. Like it's a, it feels like yeah, an I wish, uh, thing. <laughs> look, yeah, no, I'd love to make it publicly available just to give it out there for free so everyone can, but we can't at the moment because there's in the festival circuit and... Um, no, so but that, it's... People are going yeah. to be able to watch it at Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, and that's the main well, thing. Three hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. And and what is kind of I guess we'll talk about that in regards. What is your the the plan of release for this kind of film? Hopefully, as things start to open back up, I want to watch this in a cinema. I want to see. I want yeah, to see this with a crowd of people. For it. Yeah. yeah, and and I've just I've just finished the five point one mix of it. Nice. <laughs> uh, every actually, I did the whole film myself because. Uh, oh, congratulations! Like, and they're just doing the the soundtrack. I was uh, as did, but I, I sent it to a you know, proper sound studio to get it balanced and checked, and it all worked out. Uh, at the moment, we've only got one country for distribution, uh, which is Japan, and it opens in cinemas there in a month, uh, and it's screening for up to two months. It in about. Uh, th for three months and <laughs> so we're hoping and they're, they're really getting it it's amazing uh, they've done all this publicity and all the pre-reviews are really strong the cinema's keeping it up for a month in each cinema lovely so hopefully it builds uh, it's a tricky one to get over the line with distributors uh, it's you know it's not an easy pitch and without a without a, a clear sort of narrative arc uh, as as the decision makers like, um, but I'm hoping that like with the support here of of yourself and the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival that you know it, it does get enough attention to get to get a theatrical release. I really love that. It's been picked up for broadcast ac across a few places in the Pacific. Uh, played some festivals there, and, and I, I love that. Like when we played it out in communities, uh, it, they always want to keep it and have a. <laughs> you know, say in I mean island communities where we go back, and it just resonates there. You know, which I'm, which is really moving for us. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but just doing what we can 
we're really working at building the project as well. Like it's the whole project is off at other doors and we're working on the next film, album and whole new level of concert at the moment. We're based on a US tour we have next year, three and a half month tour of universities who want to extend the concert into a week-long residency of workshops um, interfacing with uh, like leading academics on issues of science and culture, climate, climate science. So that's a model where we're working up, where we're also working with a VR cinematographer to actually bring a bit more of some of these issues sort of into a, a VR sort of experience, you know, experience with the artist there in front of you to guide you through that. So we want to personify or, or like the, these these um, effects, you know, on the environment through the people who are connected to it to help shift sort of public and society narratives, policies and, and do what we can in this decade we've got to to get a hold of, you know, protecting our planet, you know, to... I don't know the sound. Yeah. To, at the same time, great, great, great art. You know, we're filmmakers and artists and music producers, so we want to, you know, make real quality, groundbreaking art at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> That there is director Tim Cole talking about his documentary Small Island Big Song, which is a wonderful collaborative production across Pacific and Indian Oceans and different cultures that exist there. I think this is a really wonderful treat of a film to seek out and to watch, and you can do so via the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, mdff.org.au, from the 30th of June through to the 15th of July. And after that, head over to smallislandbigsong.com to keep track of where screenings are taking place, uh, both online and in person, and purchase some of the music and give uh, some money across and listen to the music there. I think this is a really beautiful film and well worth your time. Uh, Certainly uh, the value and importance of music is really strong and is a way of carrying culture forward and reminding people of what is going on in the world. There is, while this is not a protest film as such, but there is a connection to protest songs in some regards in the sense that there is, you know, protest songs would sing about the the injustices of the world and in many ways, uh, while this is not a protest song in the traditional sense, there is still a protest movement vibe occurring within these songs that are... Letting politicians like Peter Dutton know that these are genuine people at stake, their lives are at stake, their culture is at stake if we have inaction against climate change. That's really quite a horrific thing, the future that they're they're facing at the hands of big countries like Australia, America and the United Kingdom and, and in Europe as well and China, all around the world. This inaction against climate change is really quite a devastating thing. But yet, a film like Small Island Big Song makes it feel like it's a, it's a thing that we can attack and challenge. And it's not a depressing film uh, in a lot of ways, and that's a, a hopeful thing. Um, so often documentaries about climate change are doom and gloom, and that is fair. It is a doom and gloom thing. But on the same hand, a 
addressing it via a positive means is really important and that's what this film does. Again, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is where you can check it out. Smallislandbigsong.com is where you can follow out for details. Head over to my website, thecurb.com.au, to check out other interviews for filmmakers from this year's Melbourne Documentary Film Festival and follow us on social media as well. MDFF uh, is uh, the place to go for Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Keep an eye on there for other reviews and interviews that other sites have done too. There's a lot of great content there. And um, for me, head over to patreon.com for slash the curb au as well and you can support the website for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the site going and if you support it for three dollars a month then you get access to unedited interviews and uh, podcast discussions that's enough from me i've taken up a lot of your time hopefully you're liking this music that's behind me right now it's from small island big song uh, again I repeat myself small island big song.com is the website you like to Look after yourselves, look after each other, be kind to one another. We'll see you in the next episode. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.